Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Kernsville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Kernsville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.kernsvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, guys, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, we are plugging right along. We have, this is the beginning of our, we only have four chapters if we get three more after 13. And uh, so we're going to talk today further along with what we have been talking about. If you remember, as we started in chapter 12, because of the reality of the great salvation that we have, He calls us, verse 1 of chapter 2, to present ourselves as living sacrifices. That is, you give yourself to God. Very next verse, as you give yourself to God, he's saying to you, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Don't be conformed to just the way everybody else is doing things, but you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You be transformed from the inside out. You be different according to God's word. And so when we got a little bit further into chapter 12, he was telling us about with each other, exercising our gifts for the benefit of each other. This isn't about just us. It's about all of us. He then talked about expressing love towards each other. Not just that. He told us about expressing love towards people outside of the church, people in the world. And to get it a little bit more specific, he then talks about you expressing love to who? Your enemies people who are against you, and leaving vengeance with him. And so now in the next step of the process, he's going to get to another group. And, and, and to be very honest with you, I knew we were coming here, so for the last two months, I've been dreading getting to these verses. I have been nervous about getting to these verses, verses 1 to 7 of chapter 13. Now, I don't normally get nervous about the next section. I'm just being honest with you. I just teach them. And, but yet I am very, very nervous about this portion of Scripture. Now, why am I nervous? Because because I've taught them before. I've taught them in Sunday school. I wasn't nervous the last time we went through this or the time that I preached through Romans 15 years ago. I wasn't nervous. Why am I nervous about it? Well, because now we live in a culture where... People got a major attitude about the government. Where people got a major attitude about political things. And they have their opinions, and a lot of times in Christian circles, our response to things, I hate to say it, are driven more by opinions than they are by the Word of God. And if there's one portion of Scripture that tells you and I how to react, it's the Word of God. So my task today isn't to give you my opinion. My task today is to tell you what God's Word says. And with that, you have to decide. Okay? So, you know, I know typically uh, what we do with our Bibles when we like a passage is we highlight them. Okay? Do you highlight verses in your Bible that speak to you? I do. 
Some of my older Bibles are filled with highlights. Well, I'm going to introduce you to a new highlighter. If you don't like what you see there, maybe you need to get a Sharpie. And highlight, mark it out. Well, we wouldn't do that. It's God's Word. Right, yeah. So this is what I'm trying to tell you because when I read through this again, I've read through this many times, I was actually quite shocked at what Paul is saying. He actually uses some very harsh terms. What are you talking about, George? Well, let's look at it. So let's remember, as we enter into this, what am I doing? Chapter 12, verse 1, I'm giving myself to God. Chapter 12, verse 2, I'm not being conformed to the way everybody else is thinking. I'm not just going with the flow. I'm going to allow God's word to renew my mind. So let's read his word. And let's digest it and let his word transform us, okay? So look with me at just seven verses. He really starts off with a powerful bang, okay? Here's what he says. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For the rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then what is good, and you will receive, then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, the avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay because for because of this, you also pay taxes. For authorities are the ministers of God, attending to what it attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Wow, you can see why I was nervous, right? Well, let's get into it. And here's what we're going to do, folks. I'm going to divide it into several sections. First of all, I'm going to talk about the command. We've got to start, first of all, he's going to start out with one command, okay? Then we're going to talk about God's sovereignty. If you're going to understand why you need to pay attention to what God is saying, he's going to tell you the reality that is beyond our simple focus with our eyes of what we think is going on. He's going to give you a bigger picture. Okay, so we're going to talk about God's sovereignty. Then we're going to talk about God's purpose. God has a purpose for why he does, does things. And we need to understand that. And with that, we're going to talk about what our responsibility is. Okay, our responsibility. Now, 
You might be saying there saying, okay, that's good and well, George, but when Paul wrote, he wasn't in our situation. He didn't have a government that was making those kind of decisions. He didn't have people who were doing it for their own good. He didn't have people who were corrupt. He didn't have people who were doing things illegally. He didn't have people doing all of this. And, and this is totally different. We're in a different situation than Paul, and you just need to understand that. Yeah, you're right. Because his situation was far worse. What do you mean? We live in a democratic society, which every two years or whatever, we vote, right? You vote for your representatives. You vote for who's the president. Well, yeah, that's my problem. It's who, I understand that. We live, that's our situation. Let's go to Paul's situation in his world. In his world, nobody had a choice who Caesar was. Nobody had a choice who the local leaders were. There was no democracy. They were appointed by the guys up top. Nobody had a say in what was going on. Nobody had a say in anything. In fact, I'll be honest with you, there wasn't very much of a court system. Yes, there was a court system, but it was very lopsided. A lot of times decisions were made on the fly, and let's say if you came in contact with authority and they didn't like you, that was the end of you. There was no appeal process. You would just die. This is reality. It's a, it's a completely wicked situation that Paul lived in. The guy who was in charge, if you look at the Caesars who were in charge at that time, from the time of Jesus, well, for all of the Caesars, they were extremely wicked men who only lived for themselves. And the empire was just the source of whatever they wanted. This is the reality of Paul's writing. So you want to talk about a bad situation? He was in it. But understand something. You say, well, then I, can do, I can't do this if my conscience. You're right. Paul's not assuming. Can I be honest with you? In his day, the big issue was, are you ready for this? In your local community, several times a year, you would have to go and offer incense, a pinch of incense, on an altar to Caesar acknowledging him as who? And this is what they thought, God. Now, most people, did they believe that Caesar was a god? No. But well, here's what they did. They would go and pinch that, throw it on, poof. That was it. They were okay because they paid homage to the imperial. Christians believe there's only what? One God. And that Jesus was God. And you were to worship no other God but Jesus, right? Could they do that? No. And so something simple as throwing incense on the thing could cause you to be what? Killed. So Paul's assuming, because he knows he's doing it because he would later give his life in the same way, he's assuming that you understand, yes, there are certain things that this command doesn't cover. But he's talking about your everyday life how you function every day. Because remember, he's already told you earlier in the verses we looked at before, he wants you to live, what, in harmony with others, and also, not just that, peaceably with others. So let's get to the command, okay? So here it is. Look with me at verse 1. It, it, it can't get any more plain than what it says in the text, and here's what it says. Verse 1, let every person... Oh, first of all, who's that? Every person. Who's that include? Everyone, right? 
All believers. There's no exceptions. I looked. I tried to see, is there an asterisk with my name at the bottom of the text? No, there isn't. Okay? Everyone, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Now, subject, what does that mean? That means to be in submission. I had to look that up. That means to you would bow to whatever they want locally. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, but think about it. Most of the time, what they're asking from you isn't for you to offer incense on an altar to Caesar. They're not asking you to, like in some countries, to get an abortion. What they're asking you in, in our situation is obey the speed limit. Pay your taxes. Buy a building permit. Yeah, all right, but listen, that's what they're asking, right? Buy a building permit. Don't use this street when there's a parade. Think about, do you understand, most, we, most of us adjust already. He's telling you, be subject. It's not, I'm coming into Kerbersville and I feel 55 is the better speed than 25. Although there are days when I do think that. But, but that's not right, right? Be subject. Most of us understand that. But here's the problem. Okay, so here, here it is. So believers are told to be submissive to their governments. Bottom line, be submissive. Why? Because you want to live at peace. Now remember, here, part of Paul saying this is this, because in his culture, Christians were falsely accused of being anti-government, of being anti-the system, of being against Caesar. Why? Because they wouldn't offer that incense. They were seen as being totally against the system. Now, you would say, well, I don't like who's in charge right now. Fine. I've noticed with Christians, when your person is in charge, you still got the same problem. So it's not who's in charge. You just have a problem. But he's telling you, be submissive to the system. Now, I don't like that. Well, because here's the thing. Second thing, we tend to allow exceptions to avoid to void the command in all areas of life. We allow the exceptions to then tell us, well, I don't need to listen to them in any area. Yeah, but that's not what Paul's saying. Paul understands there are exceptions. He's still telling you to be submissive. Why? Because again, think about the prior verses. He wants you to live in harmony. He wants you to live peaceably with all men. Okay, let's go on. So then, just to make sure you understand why, because this isn't, he's, he's wanting to add weight to why you're supposed to do this. He wants to have you back up from right now in your focus, with your, your perspective, if you've got tunnel vision on. He wants you to take a view from it if we're all on a shuttle up in space looking down at the earth, a bigger picture. He wants you to have a bigger picture. And here's what he says. Look with me at verses 1 to 2. Here's what he says. Are you ready for this? This, is, this threw me for the loop. I'm still thrown for a loop. From the first time I read this many years ago, I'm still thrown for a loop. Here's what he says. For there is no authority. Okay, you ready for that? Listen. There is no authority. There's nobody in charge. There's nobody holding an office. 
whether you think he stole it or not, there is nobody in office, listen to me, there is no authority except from God. Except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Well, you know, George, I really, okay, yeah, I, I, I think it says that, but maybe you're reading, maybe you're reading the original languages wrong. Maybe the translation got lost. Maybe, maybe that's just Paul talking to Rome. Really? Well, let me take you to Daniel. Chapter 4 of Daniel, it also is mentioned in chapter 5, is a little incident with a guy who at that time was the supreme ruler of the world by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if you want to talk about a guy who was a nut job, it was ne Nebuchadnezzar, okay? He was kind of wacky and kind of did whatever, and he had the power of the sword. He would just kill you if you... I mean, think about this crazy stuff, Nebuchadnezzar. I had this dream. Bring all the wise men in. Okay, O king, tell us your dream and we'll interpret it. No, I want you to tell me the dream I just had and you give me the interpretation. And if you can't do that, you're dead. That's whacked out. But listen to what God did. God gave him a dream that he couldn't understand and Daniel comes in and gives him an interpretation. But I want to focus on one verse in particular, chapter 4, verse 25. Here's what he says. This is part of the interpretation. That you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. So this, he's telling you this is going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven for seven periods of time, and seven periods of time will pass over you. And here's what the point is. Till you know, the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. Dude, what I want you to understand, so am I ticked off that election results didn't happen the way it was? Yeah, I mean, I'm old enough that everybody I've ever voted for did not win. I'm true, sure that's true for you, unless you have some lucky way of picking the winner every time, Okay. So in, in all the years, I remember I started voting in 1984 and all the elections I've been in, everybody, not, I would say my track record is pretty bad, okay? All right, now, am I upset when somebody else wins and somebody else, yeah, I'm upset, I get irritated, but here's what I need you to understand. Did God get off the throne in that election? Did he? Is he getting off the throne in any election? Is he saying, okay, I'm, I'm just going to let this nation, well, whatever they choose, I'm just going to, no, no, everything's got to fit into the ultimate plan, right? In fact, that's what Daniel's about is the ultimate plan, right? And here he is, he's saying to Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be acting crazy and living like a cow out in the field eating grass and the dew's going to be on you for seven periods of time until you come to the realization that I'm the one who sets up the kings. This is the reality. So what am I trying to say? God is the one who ultimately sets up those who are our rulers, period. God is the ultimate one. Well, you know, we have elections, then why vote? No, that's our system. You take part in our system. But you leave the results with who? God. Now, can you explain that to me, George? 
I can't explain it to you, but then I'm not supposed to explain it to you. I'm supposed to just give you the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is who's in charge? God. And everything is moving to what, folks? The ultimate thing that's going to happen, Jesus Christ coming and being enthroned. Now, do I like the decisions that are made? No. I can think back to when I was in the military. When I was in the military, I was a private. A private first class. Did I have a lot of authority as a private first class? No. Did I like some of the decisions that the leadership of my headquarters detachment made and what I was supposed to do? No. Did I like the jobs that I was assigned to? No. Could I be irritated that the first sergeant told me to do this or the sergeant major told me to do that or that the captain decided this or whatever and I'm out here standing guard at 3 o'clock in the morning while everybody else is at a party? No. But I know I'm not the one in charge. And so I conformed, right? God is saying to you, you're not the one in charge. I am. I'm the one who sets up kings, so be submissive. Here's the second thing he points out here. Refusing to obey is ultimately refusing God, and you'll be adjudged. Whoa. I had to take a step back, especially when I read that this week. What do you mean? Look with me at what it says. Verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. God is saying, okay, this is how I interpret it, okay? God is saying, if you resist government, and I'm not talking about resisting it if they're telling you to offer incense on an altar, okay? Paul already knows you're going to not do that, right? But if you resist government, he's saying you're resisting who? What's the passage today? Who are you resisting? God, because he's the one who what? Instituted government and set up the kings and set up the authorities. That's a hard one. That's a hard one for me to swallow. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's really hard. Again, anybody want to borrow my Sharpie? <laughs> Somebody said, me? <laughs> I won't tell you who it was, okay. But uh, you can get it from me later, bro, okay? Or sis, all right. So, all right. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Refusing to obey and you'll be judged. Now, what do you mean you'll be judged? Now, it's interesting to me. He's going to you'll incur judgment. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. You're going to face judgment. You're going to face God's judgment in your life. What does that mean? He's going to take you to the woodshed. What could that be? Consequences of you refusing to obey. Meaning could be I don't get that permit and the building guy comes by and I get a fine, right? If I drive 55 through town and the chief of police here in Kerwinsville sees me, catches me, I get a what? A ticket, but it doesn't just end with a ticket. I then get a notification from my insurance company that my premiums have gone up because now I am a risk to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you incur judgment. Because God wants you to what? Back to the command, right? Be submissive. Because he's instituted it. 
Think about it for a moment. Ask yourself this question. Would you have voted for Pontius Pilate? Weak neck. Would you have voted for him? No, none of us would. But he put Pontius Pilate in the position that he needed Pontius Pilate to accomplish what? His will. And what was his will? That his son go to the what? The cross to die for you and I. Right? If you had asked the disciples at that time, would you pick Pontius Pilate to be a part of God's plan? They would say, no way! But see, God's got a bigger picture. And we need to recognize that. So what do we do? We want to live peaceably in harmony with each other and what? So we obey, be submissive. Why? Because if we don't, refusing to obey, God will ultimately judge us. Now why? Why do we do this? Here's God's purpose for establishing government. And this is, and I think this is pretty self-explanatory. We understand this, right? Here's the first one. Look with me, verse 3 through 5. He says this, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Stop. I know some of you would say, I disagree with that. That's not what's happening today. I understand that, but listen, in the general sense, would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if we do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, the avenger, who carries out God's wrath on, wrong, on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection to not only avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So here's two things I'm going to point out here. Here it is, God's purpose. Governments are to establish laws to control evil and regulate life. They establish laws to control evil and regulate life. Now, we understand that. We learned that when you were in high school, when you were in a civics class, right? If you had civics. There, there, there's a reason why there's a speed limit, right? What if everybody just, if let's say this is a third world country where there is no speed limit and everybody just drove whatever way they wanted, what kind of chaos? And there were no stop signs, no stoplights. What would it be like around here? I'll tell you what it would be like. Lori and I had this experience. After we got married, I was thinking about wanting to be a missionary to Kenya, East Africa. Some of you know that. I haven't talked about that in a while. So I took Lori, her mom and dad, and we went over to Africa to see the mission in Kenya, East Africa, that we were wanting to be a part of. And so we're on the road with this vehicle, in this vehicle being driven by the missionary, and we come to an accident, which happens quite often in Nairobi. And so this accident was blocking the roadway. So you got, and, it, and this is Nairobi, a city of, at that time was 17 million people. So there are obviously more people than that now, because we're talking 30 years ago, all right? So 30 years ago, 29 years ago, it was 1994. We're, we're in this, and so then we're trying to make our way through, and here's what they did. It was, it was a free-for-all. So it's a two-lane road, and now all of a sudden there are six lanes on this end heading in this direction. 
Six lanes heading in this direction, coming back. Now, what do you mean, two-lane road, six lanes? I'm talking six lanes of cars. They're driving up into people's yards. Do you remember that, Lord? And they're all trying to get to the other side of the wreck. While the other six lanes on the other side, it's total chaos. And in the process, we're having more wrecks. Now picture that in Kerwinsville or downtown Clearfield. You say, that's just plain nuts, George. Well, that's what government does, right? Why do we do what we do? Why do they do what they do? They regulate life so that we can function together in what? Harmony and in peace. And they establish their laws. Governments are to establish laws to control evil, right? And also to regulate life. Here's the second thing he tells us. Do what is right and be submissive in order to avoid God's judgment. Do what's right. Do what's right. That's, that's the whole point. Do what's right. Salvation doesn't give you a get out of free jail card. Well, we already know that literally, right? But it doesn't give you an excuse to do whatever you want to do. Do what's right and you'll avoid God's judgment. And I, if you look, it's very interesting to me. He hasn't used this word so obviously Paul's very serious about this because he uses the word wrath. He hasn't used that word before. He just simply, before he uses judgment, the only time he's used wrath is when he was talking about the world being condemned and going to hell. So what are you saying? I'm going to go to hell if I don't obey the government? No, no, no. He's giving a very strong word here for you to understand this is serious. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to face the consequences. So then he tells you what you need to do. He only gives you two responsibilities out of this command. Two responsibilities. The command is what? Be submissive. How do we do that? Okay? The first one, you're going to grumble at. The second one, you might really have a problem with. But I've got to tell them to you. Now, the first one I know you're going to grumble at. Why? Because all humanity has grumbled about this since the beginning of time, from the very first time it was instituted. What is it? All right, look with me. Here's what he, sa here's what he says, verse 6 and 7. Pay, excuse me, verse 6, because of this, you are also to pay taxes. I thought so. Ah. You grumble. I get the tax bill for my property taxes. I grumble. Do you grumble? I grumble. I get my pay statement and I see what they took out. I what? I grumble. I remember when they tacked the 60 cents on the gas. I'm still grumbling. And that was several governors ago. Did you understand? I'm grumbling, okay? But look at what it says here. You are responsible to pay your taxes. That's the responsibility he's given you here. Pay your taxes. Now, again, that has nothing to do with who's in charge. We don't like taxes, right? It's an ultimate human nature thing. I haven't met anybody anywhere in the world where I've traveled where they say, oh, I just love the taxes we have here in our country. I've not met that. 
Everybody hates them. But he's telling you to what? Pay your taxes. Now the second one, that's going to be the one you might have problems with. But remember what he's telling you. Here's what he says, verse 7. Look at what he says. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Here's the second responsibility you have. You are responsible to show honor and respect to those in authority over you. You're to show respect. Well, my guy didn't win, and I don't like, to, I believe he, he did it wrong, or I, did, I understand, but you're still supposed to what? Show respect. Can, can I tell you, have you noticed that that's the culture we live in right now where nobody shows respect to anybody? Right? Like when I went to school, whether I cared for the teacher or not, I still had to show what? Respect, right? When I got pulled over by a police officer, I still, whether I agreed with him or not about why I got pulled over, I still had to show what? Respect, right? When, when my neighbor, who I didn't like, but he was older, I still had to show respect because my parents said, you need to show respect to Mr. So-and-so. Well, Mr. So-and-so is a jerk, Dad. I don't care about that. You're still supposed to show respect, right? Isn't that the problem? I hear people, all, we just don't show respect to anyone. Well, it's got to start somewhere, and it's going to, he's throwing it in where you need to show respect, and that is give honor to those whom honor is due, and what? Yeah, you know, in the military, we used to hear people say, I don't care for that officer, but I have to respect that on his shoulder. So you do what you're told. This is what he's saying here. Again, I have my marker up here if you don't like that, okay? Now, how can I do that? So let's wrap this up, okay? How do I do that? Well, again, let's remember, I am, because of the salvation that is given to me and the grace that is shown to me and the Spirit of God who works within me, I am giving myself to you, Lord, daily. I'm yours. He then says to me, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Just don't go along with the way the world's doing things, whether it's on the right or the left. Don't just go along with the way the unsaved world is handling things. You, though, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? God's word. And so, of course, he, then he showed me, well, this is what you're supposed to do with each other. Well, I can handle that one, George. This is what you're supposed to do with people outside. Oh, I can handle that one. You know, I'm kind of working on the enemy thing. But, yeah, but here's what he says about government. Now, that one, I don't really, yeah. But you need to renew your mind, don't you? It's impossible. Yeah, but here's the thing. We already learned earlier, he gives you the spirit to empower you to do what he's told you to do, right? Why? Because God's ultimately the one in control. 
And may we never face the situation where we have to be told to do something that we have to refuse and say, I can't do it because I'm a follower of Jesus. But it may come. But everything else, I'll pay my taxes. I'll drive the speed limit. I'll buy the permit. I'll obey the signs. I'll show respect, even if I didn't vote for him. Why? Because that's what God told me to do. That's ultimately the issue. Do what God tells you to do. Let me pray for you.